Welcome back to Mainly Movies, the podcast where we mainly talk about movies. I'm your host, DJ, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron. How are you today? Doing good, DJ. Ready to talk about some Ant-Man. Yeah, you know, I still, I'm, I haven't felt that superhero fatigue yet, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I didn't have fatigue, but, man, the credit scene of this movie... Oh boy! It sure took a lot of a lot of energy out of me. I just kind of drooped. Yeah, but we'll get to that because that's the very <laughs> end of the movie. I I feel like we enjoy starting with the end of the movie and then going to the beginning. I don't know why, but it does seem to be kind of the way we do things now. Because we just want to spoil it right away. <laughs> so today we're talking about Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, the latest MCU movie. Last one of the year, which, that's okay. I think they kind of condensed these three towards the front of the year. I think it's nice yeah, to get it's some been breathing a room. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I'm not feeling superhero fatigue. It's, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of superheroes. I'm ready for a four-month break or whatever we have until, uh, until our good friend Aquaman graces the screens. Yeah, and we haven't heard anything from that yet, but I think they're waiting to drop stuff until Comic-Con, which is coming up in a couple weeks, I want to say, or something like that. Um, That's smart. So, good lead into this movie. I feel like I saw, and I feel like I say this every single review, I saw too much in the trailers. Yeah, I agree. Should, should we stop watching trailers, DJ, and is that possible to not watch trailers? I don't think it's possible. We see a lot of movies. And I like to firmly be in my seat and, you know, just ready to watch by the time the credits start. So I don't want to, like, have to time it between when the credits start. And I also don't want to be that guy that's, like, covering my eyes and ears while I, while uh, previews go across. Because that's no fun either. Yeah, so I've kind of started just letting myself get to movies late. Oh, yeah? Because something's happened in the past... I don't know, year or two years, where previews literally go for like 25 minutes. Yeah. And so there's no point to get to the theater before the showtime. Like, getting there at the showtime, you're still 20 minutes early. That's very true. So it's just about getting your seat. But yeah, I'm okay getting there a few minutes later, missing a few previews, and hopefully not spoiling every single movie that's going to come out. Yeah, and I, I guess I really should be more in that camp, especially because both of the theaters that I go to, you reserve your seats in. But I always find, whenever I get to a movie slightly late, even for a theater that I've reserved seats in, someone is always in my seat. And I don't get it, because... <laughs> yeah, and, and as soon as you walk up to them, they know. Like, it's not like people aren't aware that they're sitting in your seat. Mm-hmm. They just do it. Yep, and they like, are well, wearing the guilt on their face. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if these are people that like didn't buy a ticket and they're sneaking in there. I mean, if you're going to do that, be smart about it. Like, load up the app and see what seats are available until the last minute. Don't just walk in there willy-nilly, especially yeah. on an opening weekend. Be smart about it, guys. <laughs> yeah, our best experience, I think you were with me for this, was when we went and there were people kind of in our seats. Like, their seats were overlapping with ours. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no, we got these seats. And so we looked at their tickets and had to inform them that they had bought tickets for the same showtime the next day. Yeah, that was kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you you done goofed. Yeah, you messed up. <laughs> but honestly, shouldn't like the ticket checker or someone have said something to them? Yeah, but no one's... yeah. I mean, they're not paying attention. They don't care, but I, understand. I don't yeah. want to put it all on them. Yeah, but all that to say, I need less trailers in my life. Well, like I think we're going to get a flood of them when Comic-Con comes around. Very so true, very be true. Be wary. And so for this movie, I feel like the trailers weren't as much like plot spoilers, but it was like the fun moments of the movie 
were kind of already there in the trailers. I will say some. I don't think it was like all of the fun moments. I don't. It think wasn't all of them, but there were certain ones where I was like, man, that would have actually been really funny if I didn't already know it was going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Like, I knew the uh, giant salt shaker was coming. I knew the giant Pez dispenser was coming. I knew they were going to compare sizes. Yeah. So, I just, that, I, it bothers me every movie, but this is just yet another one that I can complain about. Yeah, that's true, but kind of just getting into, like, thoughts about it, I really, really like this movie, and I think I was having so much fun that even when I knew, like, a trailer scene was coming up, still got a kick out of it, because it was just a fun ride the whole time. Yeah, I, I really liked it, uh... I do wish I had watched the first Ant-Man before going in to see this one. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had, because um, Grace and I were flying back at the time, and it was like a three, uh, three and a half hour flight or whatever, so I was like, oh yeah, I can load up Ant-Man, and we watched it, and I really liked it, but I quickly remembered that I didn't remember a dang thing about Ant-Man. Well, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like him riding on the ants... And then, like, the final battle with Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. And that's that, it. That was about it. It's really good, though. I really like the first Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, I just definitely, like, if you haven't seen this movie yet, and you're for some reason listening to this podcast, go and watch the first Ant-Man. Yeah, And then watch it. Because it. they definitely just get into, like... Like, the movie kind of picks up where the last one left off, but also, like... They don't rehash any of the explanations of how anything works. It's just kind of happening. Yeah. And I was constantly like, oh, they can do that? Like, I kind of vaguely remember them doing something like that in the first one, but don't remember why they're able to do that or what the limits of his growing and shrinking are. And yeah. I just wish I had watched the first one. I think it would have made this a little more enjoyable. Yeah, I think it definitely enhances. I think they do as... I think they try and help as much as they can to kind of, you know, set the stage so that you don't have to have seen those previous movies. So I don't think you'll necessarily be lost. I just think you gain a lot from watching uh, the first one first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Cool. So I guess we can start getting into it. So I guess formal spoiler warning up now. Uh, we're going to go through the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. That is what we do. We kick things off with this. And because I just had seen the first Ant-Man like hours before I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, this <laughs> first scene is kind of just an extension of a flashback you get in the first scene of uh, Hank Pym and uh, the Wasp at that point, Janet Van Dyne. Uh, taking out that Soviet missile, um, except yeah, there's a little more backstory this time. Because I was thinking, like, man, this is really familiar. Like, I feel like they use I like some of the some exact of same shots. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's when I was like, oh shoot, I don't remember the first movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, they go back to uh, Hank Pym and his wife Janet Van Dyne. Back in their crime-fighting days, I guess. Yeah. And we had learned that, like, Janet shrunk down into the quantum realm and is basically, like, lost forever. But then at the end of the first movie, there was, like, a little glimmer of hope that since Scott Lang, Paul Rudd's character, was able to go to the quantum realm, maybe they can go and find Janet because she might still be around after 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, so they basically just rehash that in the first scene, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically it. Except in this movie, you actually get to like see Janet Van Dyne with like not in the suit yet, so you actually get to see Michelle Pfeiffer because she wasn't cast in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another person added to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, they're snatching up celebrities left and right. They are, and... Especially in this one, I noticed, like, just in, like, kind of these side roles, it's like, oh, this, like, Lawrence Fishburne is now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of our opening, and it cuts to, like, the Marvel credits, which is just, like, 
It gets you hype every time now. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit excessive, but I don't care. I like it. Because <laughs> yeah. for several movies, they really hadn't settled on like the music or the style of the credits. Like I feel like it changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But now it's just like this. It's like okay, we're in this. It's like upbeat. It's like let's go. Well, we kept adding characters for a long time, and now we've That's actually true. you know got a set roster somewhat somewhat next movie is a new character so yeah (laughs) um yeah so after the first scene we kind of cut to the future and once again i'm kind of trying to catch up in uh infinity war we knew that scott lang was under house arrest because of what happened in civil war right where he went and helped captain america because captain america was basically in violation of the Sokovia Accords, and so the government mm-hmm. doesn't like it. And oh, yeah, that's a lot of uh, backstory. That if you were just trying to watch this movie without having watched the other nineteen, I don't know. I don't well, know how you would do it. Like you well, just have I, to have watched all of them. I don't. I don't think it was necessary to make them. I don't think it was necessary to make this movie watchable because I went uh, with my wife Grace to see this. And she has not seen Infinity War or Civil War because she hasn't seen all 18 previous movies or whatever. And I strongly encourage her to not see Infinity War because you are just going to be confused who people are on screen and why we should be excited they're interacting with each other. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's just surprising. And I, I think the movie does as best it can to kind of condense Ant Man's part in the whole MCU. Uh, with Randall Park coming up being the FBI agent and like giving that long spiel a little bit into the movie. But I, I think they try and do as much they can to fill in the audience who might not have seen the previous 19 movies. Yeah. What did you think of Randall Park in this movie? Oh, I loved him. I, I thought it was great. I was, I, I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice for an FBI agent. But like immediately him and... Paul Rudd were like perfect together. I was like, yes. "Oh, I see why they got him." Like, their humor just blends perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but whenever I see Randall Park, there's this one uh, scene. I think it's like an April Fool scene in the office where Randall Park is pretending to be yes, uh, Jim. Jim. <laughs> and every time I see him on screen, I'm just like, "Oh, hey, it's Jim from the office," and it just makes <laughs> me happy. <laughs> But, uh, oh, man. Well, in this movie, his name is Jimmy Woo, so oh, he boy. is Jim. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't catch that, but... Yeah, you I might think have him... a, uh, You might have a weird conspiracy theory plot here that he's just Jim in everything he's in. <gasps> that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to go through his filmography now. I'm pretty sure he played Kim Jong-un in the... Dict- or not the dictator, uh, the interview, right? He might have. I don't remember. I saw that movie and immediately forgot it. Well, yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> Just one other thing about casting. Uh, I know Ant-Man is, you know, pun intended, a smaller hero. But I really think Paul Rudd is kind of perfect for the role. Because I, I can't say that I was, like, the biggest Paul Rudd fan. I thought he was, like, fine. I wasn't, like, necessarily excited that he was going to be Ant-Man back when uh, the first movie came out. But his portrayal of Scott Lang is just such a... the average man's MCU hero. And it just makes so much sense. He's just a nice guy. He's just trying to be a dad. And it's kind of a breath of fresh air because when you compare him to... People like Tony Stark and Star-Lord and Doctor Strange. They're all like good people, but those three that I just mentioned, they're kind of just, they're kind of assholes, you know? (laughs) And Scott isn't. He's just a nice guy. It's just refreshing to see him just being with his daughter and just trying to, you know, be as good as he can. And he constantly messes up at every turn. And I think that's really cool. It's, it's, I don't know, it's refreshing to see a smaller scale hero and i think it does work as good counter programming coming off of something as massive as infinity war i just think if they tried to make ant-man like a hero that took himself super seriously no one would be into it yeah that's true (laughs) he's kind of just really dumb like he gets big and gets small and that's about it 
Yeah. But he's trying his best. He really is. He is, but he's not like a tryhard, which is what I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Casting casting was great for these movies. Yeah. So he's under house arrest. He's got uh, Randall Park as an FBI agent constantly checking up on him, trying to make sure he's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Scott Lang has like a dream slash vision thing. So, one of my problems with this movie is they do a lot of, like, the uh, technology explaining, which they have to do, but in this movie, none of it really makes any sense. I think, I, I, I agree with you, and I think it would bother me if it weren't for the fact that at some point, Paul Rudd just goes, do you guys just put quantum in front of everything, and then boom, like that, it was funny. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of the whole, like, Deadpool acknowledging, like, breaking the fourth wall, acknowledging that this is stupid, and so then we can all get on board. Yeah, that's what I was gonna, like, there's a bunch of stupid technology explaining, but there was just enough happening, like, with the plot and, like, action, and there was enough to keep me on the hook instead of just, like, completely lost, like, what are are we doing here? Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Scott Lang is quantumly entangled with Janet Van Dyne, who's still in the quantum realm. Yes. So he calls up his old friends Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne, trying to figure out what's going on. They break him out of house arrest and kind of explain everything to him. And this is where I'm talking about, like, they just go into a whole explanation of what they've done since he was under house arrest two years ago, where the technology is now. Um, There's large ants walking around everywhere. Which, was this a thing in the first one, the large ants? No, but they also weren't trying to construct anything. And I think it was actually a really smart way to like show how they would have built all this stuff, just the two of them. Because, I mean... If you have an army of ants, like I, you could use them for some pretty interesting things, and uh, yeah, it's not something they showed in the first movie, but it kind of tracks. I think it makes sense. I will say a giant army of human-sized ants is terrifying to me. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> like that is the stuff of nightmares because <laughs> ants, in my opinion, are superior beings. <laughs> what do you they, mean? What they, do you mean? They're incredible. Just the the stuff that they do is just absurd. Like humans cannot do that. They're way stronger. That like there are fire ants that form rafts out of other fire ants and they just rotate so that they can all stay alive and just float places and yeah, like that's destroy things. Cool. It's like if those things were human sized they would take over the world. There would be no chance. And so I was glad, like, they had some explanation of, like, oh, he's, like, programmed them to do certain things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, stay away from those ants. They could, they could at any minute turn on us. And that's why every time they showed the giant ants, I was just like, oh, my gosh. I was pretty much fine with the giant ants until, like, one of the later scenes when they surround Lawrence Fishburne. And then I was like, oh, God. He's acting way calmer than he should because I, <laughs> that is yeah, actually just like, scary. Whoa, like a group of guards was surrounding him or something like that. Mm-hmm. If I walked in there and there was just a bunch of those human-sized ants running around, I would just like curl up in a ball on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that that makes sense. But I, it works for the movie. I'm just saying, human-sized ants. It's just terrible. It's it's bad. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so that was not a thing in the first movie, right? Uh, no. The only lar- large ant we get it is at, like, the very end, and that's on accident. Yeah. They had, like, the small ants that were kind of programmed to respond to the suit, right? Yeah, because the suit was, like, transfixed with this... They... Hold on, I'm trying to pull from the first movie. It's some sort of, like, electromagnetic wave that allows them to kind of communicate with them because ants are, like, hive creatures, so you can kind of manipulate them to get them to do what you want. Is how they kind of explain it. What if you couldn't, though? 
what if we made all these jobs? Oh, I'm, I'm getting into my <laughs> nightmarish answer. <laughs> I didn't know the answer was going to bother you this much, man. Yeah, I just think about ants too much. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Where are we? I I've completely lost uh, ourselves. Think... But okay, so so we get an explanation of what the state of things is, and Hank Pym and Hope have been working on this tunnel to the quantum realm. Yeah, and they're under they're understandably angry with Scott because they're having to be you know on the run with the FBI trying to track them down because they're somehow accomplices uh, to Scott. Since I guess it was like their technology that he used. For the yeah. fight in Civil War, I don't know the Sokovia stuff. I the more it gets discussed, the more I don't like it. They, yeah, they just kind of use it as an excuse for certain things. Yeah, to happen. Um, but to finish their portal to the quantum realm, they need one more part that they, of course, have to go to a black market dealer to get. Mm-hmm. I thought this just seemed like kind of a convenient way to have some conflict in the movie i was fine Um, with it (laughs) yeah but okay so they they interact with uh what's his name walter goggins i think is his name the actor's name sunny with terrible hair yeah he needs help (laughs) yeah i think he makes a good villain i just thought this villain was kind of unnecessary for the movie See, again, I was going to feel that way until one of the last scenes where he pops up, uh, I think, in a car with other bad dudes uh, in front of Hope. And she's just like, oh, this guy again? I'm just like, yeah, they get it. (laughs) He's just annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. The quips they had, uh, kind of the meta commentary, it really works for me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I thought the interactions were funny. And that's, I think, what keeps the movie going is just the scene-to-scene, like, it's just fun on the screen. It's mm-hmm. just now that I've had a chance to, like, step back and, like, look at the plot and things, it's like, uh, I guess I was okay. But yeah, so they have to get this part from uh, Sonny Birch, the black market guy, but then the deal goes wrong because Birch has double-crossed them or something. And this is where we get to see Hope showing off the new wasp suit i really loved this opening action scene though because we saw some of it in the trailers which is unfortunate like i wish we would have got the whole salt shaker thing like afterwards but just like the confidence that evangeline lily like exudes is awesome like Mm -hmm. because you know it is a big deal that this movie is called ant-man and the wasp like top billing for a female superhero it's only been a year since wonder woman came out so it's cool to just see someone like kick butt and be confident on screen who is a female because i mean we don't get a ton of that so i think she was a perfect choice for it and i think this opening scene was great like she was strong but like slightly cocky and i think that fits in line with her character a lot from the first movie just desperate to prove herself but also very confident in her abilities so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, she's very believable as this character. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, I think there's a lot of female action roles where they kind of just stick them in and, like, oh, this person does action stuff now. And you're like, do they, though? Yeah. But just the way she played the character, it was like, yep, I believe that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I thought this first action scene was cool. I... Didn't understand what, so she goes super small and is like flying around and the like goons or whatever are just shooting at her as a wasp. I was like, I don't know what they think they're going to do. I don't either, but (laughs) in all these situations, it's kind of like, oh, well, why didn't she stay small the whole time? Because it's more fun to watch her use her blasters as an actual person, you know? Agreed. Uh, it's just more fun to watch, and I feel like it's kind of in line with her character, like a little bit overconfident maybe in her fighting ability. So, of course, she's going to want to take these guys, you know, as regular size, and that's fine with me. Yeah, no, I thought it was fun. Then she's, like, running along the uh, chef's table, and they're kind of smashing different things, and I th- yeah, it was all fun. Yeah, a lot of cool visuals there. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's kind of fought them all off, and then... I guess we'll call it Ghost. Is that the official name of... I believe so. Ava. 
a ghost shows up, which was in. So I kind of knew this was like the vil the like main villainous character in the movie. I still don't quite understand Ghost. Um, okay, and maybe you can help. So later on in the movie, we get an explanation of how like her dad was working on quantum experiments, which apparently everyone was working on quantum experiments. And something went wrong, and it blew up her parents, but she only got, like, half of it, and so she's, like, between realms, and constantly be being, like, torn apart and put together. Yeah. And so that means that she can basically go through walls and matter and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's it? Like, I just feel like, I feel like there's more there, but I don't know if there is. Uh, I mean, I think her father was a previous, like, uh, partner of Hank Pym, and that's, and yeah. they had some sort yeah. of falling out, so he tried to do this on his own, um, and apparently the whole, like, splicing and unsplicing thing is, you know, a pretty painful process, uh. But yeah, that's kind of all I know about Ghost. Yeah, I just... I I wasn't sure. I felt like she was going to do something more with her powers, I guess. Like, she really just kind of shows up every now and then, kind of fights some people off, and then runs away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else her powers would be, like, good to do, though. I mean, I think there were some cool... Um, cool visuals with it uh when she like first appears and she's fighting off hope i thought that was pretty cool just because we hadn't seen that before and kind of evangeline lily's like immediate like turn to dad are you watching this like that immediate switch from like slightly cocky to being like oh crap what's actually going on i thought that was really mm -hmm. cool and then she like phased her fist through hank pym's neck and i was like oh whoa this girl is serious but then after that i didn't really find anything interesting until she like steals the bike from that one dude towards the end which again yeah. i think was in the trailers <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i thought the visual part of it was pretty cool how it was just always shifting and yeah stuff like that's that. i that's definitely the standout i think and i could see that being like really hard to do maybe it's not but like seems like you'd have to have multiple takes of every single scene and like weave them together and stuff so I thought that was a cool effect. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, so she kind of fights him off and gets this component because... And does she take the lab here too? Yes, because she pops up in the van and she's like, yeah. if you don't give me the lab, I'll... I guess like phase through your neck? Oh god, that'd be... <laughs> yeah, I know, I was uh, like, when she had her hand through his neck, I was like, is he dead? Like, <laughs> I don't understand like how that works, that your hand's like there, which paralyzes him, but doesn't kill him. I don't know. Again, I wish we hadn't seen that the lab was shrinkable in the trailer. Because I think that it was, like, kind of a really fun part of the movie, is that they can just shrink down buildings and cars, and I don't understand how that works at all. I'm not going to try to understand how it works. Yeah, that's... that's but it, that's was, it was just no kind of fun. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Like, when they're in a car, how does shrinking the car also shrink them? Hey, dude, don't do not do it. Don't do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, <laughs> it's just uh, I, I wanted to think about these things, and the movie just kept telling me, like, ah, uh, don't think about them. <laughs> like, it's still I fun. I think it was smart to tell you to not think about it. Them, it definitely <laughs> was, because the longer I lingered, the more I was like, ah. Um, yeah, but I, I liked the idea of just this little lab that they kept passing around, like, the, uh, the holy grail or whatever like the object that everyone's <laughs> after is just yeah. a building mm -hmm. like that's just kind of a fun thought yeah um, i think so too and it's like a little suitcase that they take around that's fun let's see so ghost steals the lab uh the crew needs a new plan so i forget what the reason is exactly but they go to see bill foster who's lawrence fishburne um do you remember why, like what what they were hoping he would do? Well, first, don't they go meet like a Scotch trio of buddies? I think they do. I think they do. And You're right. And they I have like a little. Uh, 
They have like a little security. Co- well, because there was some side plot where they were trying to get a contract. And like Scott felt like he needed to help him out. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because they're ex-cons, so who better to yeah. design a security system than ex-cons, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of a interesting little... I forgot that T.I. is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hold up. Was he in the first movie? And sure enough, yes, he was. I just didn't remember it at all. And I mean, he's funny. He doesn't like try and he take is. the spotlight. He's just he is in the and background. Like, if you being don't know T. he's Ti, yeah. If you, if you don't know he's Ti, you're just like ah, just a guy. And yeah. I think that's awesome because to me that just means that someone that Ti's people are just like, hey, he really wants to be in one of these Marvel movies. It can be a small role, and they're just like, okay, and he's just there, and it looks like he's enjoying himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can have whatever he likes. <laughs> nice that was bad that was bad (laughs) um yeah so they visit those guys i liked those guys any interaction with the uh ex-con teammates was fun yeah they're they were golden they were really funny yeah i don't think anything super significant plot wise happened there though Uh, uh we just go to lawrence fishburne who's gonna help them find where the lab is yeah and he was apparently involved with Hank Pym in the past. Seems like everyone was. This is where they compare sizes. Yes. Which was one of the funnier parts of the movie. It's just I had already seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like I'm skipping stuff, but not long after we find out that Lawrence Fishburne is actually helping Ghost. Yeah, I think when they... Make it so they can track down Ghost. Uh, we find that out because he pops up. But to track it, they have to get the old Ant-Man suit, which Paul Rudd had sworn that he had destroyed <laughs> at, uh, after the events of Civil War. Yeah, 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 they had to go to the school. <laughs> yeah. And his suit just kept acting up because it doesn't control sizes, which towards the end of the movie I started finding kind of annoying. Because I was just like, I want a few scenes where he actually can control his size. Well, it was funny in this scene, though. It was Borderline funny hilarious. Because he was <laughs> just a tiny little guy and just having to run around in a big hoodie. <laughs> that was That's like, somehow that is classic Paul Rudd. I don't know. It, I, I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why pretending to be a little schoolboy wearing a giant hoodie and like running down the hallway away from the teacher is Paul Rudd. But that's Paul Rudd. Yeah, I mean, it was it was perfectly executed comedy. Even when they get back to the van and Michael Douglas is just like, oh, do you need a juice box or something like that? Like, it's just, yeah. this movie yeah, is yeah. really funny, but it's like low-key funny. It's, I don't know, like the comedy in this movie just works so well. It's kind of like the opposite in some ways to I feel how the comedy was in like Guardians 2, for example, where it was just so in your face. They were just like, remember how this was funny and this was funny? And in this movie, it felt more like, oh, this was funny in the first movie. Let's expand upon that in a good way or the right amount without being, I don't know, slightly obnoxious. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a different brand of comedy, which is just cool that they can have different styles of comedy within the same universe of movies Mm -hmm. yeah so they go and get the suit and then yeah then they're captured by ghost and we find out that she's working with Lawrence fishburne and kind of explains her whole past and why she's trying to kill him and or is she trying to kill that's what i it, it was like she wants to kill them but is being prevented from doing so by Lawrence Fishburne. I just I thought her her dynamic was very complex. Yeah, I I think it was I think it was kind of interesting. I think just because she was going through this this painful process daily and having to like regenerate in this chamber what appeared to be daily now and how it was progressing. It seems that she was really just driven to a point of desperation and it seemed like the easiest option would be to just kill all three of them so that she doesn't have to worry about them getting in the way. And I think that's why I really like Lawrence Fishburne's character because both neither of these characters were just 
you know, like mustache twirly evil. Ava was just driven to desperation and Bill was just trying to help someone who he's been, you know, looking after since she was a little girl. But even he had a line to draw. He was like, hey, don't kill these people because they didn't really directly cause your issue. Uh, later in the movie, she considers going after Paul Rudd's daughter and Lawrence Fishburne is like, whoa, I am like, I am not going to help you if you do that, because that is a line that I am definitely not willing to cross. And I think if she was in the right state of mind, I don't think she would have gone there. But driven to that point of desperation, it's kind of just like she'll do anything to help herself. So I think I really did like their dynamic. I think this was, I want to say, one of the stronger villain dynamics um, just because it didn't seem just like purely evil. Uh, but also MCU villains as a whole, there's not a ton of competition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we've had really strong ones as of late. I think in this case, I think it was smart. They didn't... There's not really a clear-cut villain, like you said. Like, there's a lot of minor inconveniences, kind of like conflicts that are getting in the way. Like... Ava with her kind of mission and you've got uh what's his name the Sonny Birch who's really just like kind of a sleazy business guy yeah he's not evil I wouldn't say and then yeah it's really just like a race against time and against like things getting in their way instead of just like it's us versus this super villain yeah I think I like Grays better so this this kind of vibe for me yeah, so we get the whole, like, quantum explanation, and this is where Scott Lang says, are you guys just putting quantum in front of everything? Because it's like quantum entanglement. <laughs> Gotta go harvest the quantum energy from the quantum realm. Yeah, it is a little much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. What what happens next? When are they in the woods? Is this when they're in the woods? Yeah, they escape uh, because of giant ants. <laughs> and uh escape to the woods terrifying absolutely terrifying <laughs> uh and then sunny birch and his crew go and interrogate the XCON crew right to find out where they are and i love this part it was pretty fantastic <laughs> yeah i i thought this was really funny and uh yes yeah, so they had the whole bit about like it's true serum no it's not true serum it just makes you... I, I thought all that was really funny. Yeah, and then we get one of, like, uh, Michael Pena's, like, long-winded stories talking about Scott's emotional state. And it kind of recaps a lot of the first movie, actually. And it's really funny. Uh, they even, like, comment on uh, Evangeline Lilly's horrible hair in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, they wanted to give uh, Michael Pena, like... A little stand-up comedy moment but mm -hmm. it had to fit within like two minutes of screen time and so he's just like yelling stuff out super fast and it's like whoa like there was just a burst of like funny stuff yeah i i thought that was great though yeah me too and just how he was, he was just he was just super willing to like get the true serious like he wasn't like screaming and resisting he was just like oh okay let's do it I was surprised by how calm he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that scene. So then uh, they know that the rest of the gang is in the woods, and they come after them. Before that, we get the fantastic scene with Paul Rudd playing uh, Janet Van Dyne, and it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why while they're in the lab in the woods, mm -hmm. they locate, or they're trying to locate janet's quantum energy signature i guess that sounds I don't right i understand it but then yeah i didn't know what was going on at this point but paul rudd just starts like stroking the cheeks of hank pym and hope <laughs> and like his voice kind of <laughs> changes a little bit once again somehow this is also classic paul rudd it is for some reason it is <laughs> It's like Paul Red pretending to be a woman because she's implanted a chip in his brain or something like that. Yeah, it's silly, but Paul Rudd sells it. 
Yeah, it's silly, and once again, I wanted to start thinking about, like, how does this work? Why is this possible? And I was like, no, 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 just enjoy it. Uh, Yeah, so he kind of, like, reveals her location through her speaking through him. Mm -hmm. I just thought, as they're, like, watching the computer, like, locate Janet, uh, Paul Rudd is holding Hank Pym's hand. Yep. Like, I just noticed that, and it was just, like, like, it's just funny. Oh, man. He's a treasure. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, that was a really good part. Uh, But then the FBI shows up. I really don't remember what happens here. Uh, I feel like this through the end of the movie was just a bunch of really fast, like, the lab is changing hands and Ghost is stealing things. And, like, it's just like everything's just kind of tangled up at the end yeah it's fast paced but it kind of worked for me because there there's just like a lot of moving pieces so mm-hmm. paul rudd admits to hope and hank that uh that the fbi know where they are uh because he told Luis, and Luis told them and just the way that he <laughs> walks over there to relay the information he just keeps messing up at every corner and he's just trying his best just be a good yeah. guy, and I don't know. Paul Rudd really sells that role of just a guy who is—he can't do anything right, pretty much. But oh boy, is he trying! So he takes a suit and flies back home. So Randall Park won't suspect anything, and then they get caught by the FBI, and then he breaks him out, kind of similar to how uh, Hank got him out of jail uh, back in the first uh, Ant Man, because there's like a shot-for-shot scene of ants like crawling over a security camera so they yeah 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 or anything so that was a nice callback but okay so here they also like grow clothes like within the cell and like can you just shrink clothes now too i just i don't understand well can you shrink anything well yeah because I'm gonna say I just yeah. thought like I thought it had to be like a certain thing that could be shrunk. Like I thought there was something special about the lab and the cars well, that made them able to be shrunk. I think those things are controlled with that specific remote, but in the first movie he develops those little discs that if you throw at it one way it grows and one way it shrinks. I'm assuming yeah, he was able to use that those, same technology. We didn't see those discs at all in this one, did we? No, I, I wanna say that it's implied sort of that like he just expanded that technology to be able to be used on other things like the building and you know clothes and stuff yeah and i feel like i'm being way too critical on this movie just because i want to like think about how the technology works and i want you're gonna have a bad time if you do that (laughs) i know i just i understand but anytime technology is in there i want to understand it and i definitely did not in this movie I definitely did not understand the technology, and I've accepted that. Uh, yeah, so so everyone escapes, and they go and confront. They make a plan. I like uh, Paul Rudd's plan. Mm-hmm. He goes one, two, three, two A. <laughs> that was good. Uh, so they're gonna like stop Ghost from using. She's trying to use the portal to the quantum realm to somehow steal energy from Janet Van Dyne, who's still in there. Yeah, because Janet is imbued with all this quantum energy, and she thinks that that quantum energy might heal her. Why does she think that? Like, Because I think that cage that she's staying in... uh, is I think it like imbues her with some quantum energy so that she can like, you know, stay whole for a day. Why does she have to take it from Janet? Like, why is why is the only source of quantum energy the person that's stuck inside the quantum realm? So I mm, I need to stop. I, I don't stop know thinking. why you're doing this to yourself. <laughs> I need to stop. Th- I just want to know. I want to know the answers. Yeah, but like watching this. At the time, I'm not thinking about that because there's stuff happening okay, well, on the screen. Okay, that's a good sign. <laughs> there's stuff happening on the screen. I'm just like, okay, she wants to, like, kill Janet to get her energy to heal her. And it's like, okay, that's what we're doing. 
I think it's good that you didn't think that like during the movie because we've watched some movies where something done will happen and we'll both be like, well, hold on now, like during the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so at least it's, you know, taking some reflection to be like, well, maybe that wasn't as defined as it should have been. Yeah, and well, the other thing is, like, if they had actually defined all these things in the movie, it would be a terrible movie. Yeah, it would not if be they a had, If watch. they had stopped that scene and been like, let's have a talk about the quantum realm and why things work that way it's like i would have hated that so maybe i'm just impossible to please (laughs) i mean it sounds like you still enjoyed the movie you're just asking some legitimate probing questions about the technology i just don't understand the quantum realm and i don't think we as people understand this realm that they're talking about so it's kind of like they can just kind of make up whatever they want. Kind of. But there's like there's just a blurry line between like where science ends and where they start taking over. Whereas mm-hmm. like Doctor Strange is just like, well, he knows this ancient magic. And I'm like, okay. Like that's not attached to anything real. It's just some like cool little hand symbols and a glowing light appears. Yeah, I think maybe it's the fact that they try and explain some of it that is bothering you so much. <laughs> it just feels like more real tech world technology, I guess. Okay. It's not like Hulk, where I'm just like, well, that's just a thing. Like, it's just a monster that's created. I don't, tr- I don't think about why Hulk is Hulk. He's just Hulk. But He's just Hulk. Yeah. So, uh, we have kind of our action scenes of... There's, like, the car chase going on, uh, which is fun. We see Sonny Birch again, who steals the lab, and he's running away. Uh, I liked uh, Michael Pena gets, like, a little purple Hot Wheels car. Yeah, that was cool. And takes off driving in it, which I thought it was interesting that that was a Hyundai. I've never seen a Hyundai painted and, like, tricked out. Yeah, I really noticed that, too, because I drive a Hyundai, and I was just like, huh, not the brand I was expecting. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it was only a few months ago that Black Panther was jumping around on a Lexus, and yeah. <laughs> that might be a little bit of a step up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Hyundais, it's just they're they're not, like, street cars, I don't think, but... They're not street cars, or, like... I would, yeah, yeah. So that, I noticed that too. Thought it was strange. Just a just a little bit of sponsoring. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, what's his name gets on the boat, and Ant Man's got to go stop him, so he gets super big. That was fun. Yeah, one thing that they did in the trailer that I wish they would have done in the movie is in the trailer when you see like, uh, giant Ant Man or whatever, or giant man. He does that really. That really Paul Rudd laugh where he's just like, oh, just stupid laugh. yeah, and I love that. That feels like the perfect embodiment of Scott Lang as Ant-Man, and it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I noticed that. I And that's the other terrible thing about trailers is if it's in the movie, you're mad. If it's not in the movie, you're also mad. So why are we putting anything in these trailers? Let's stop watching trailers for movies that we know we're going to see. We're going to see the rest of these MCU movies. It is doing us no good to watch the trailers for them. Yeah. Yeah, so they finally get the lab and the part. And uh, while all this is going on, Hank Pym has dove into the quantum realm and eventually locates Janet. Uh, I'm not even going to try to think about what was going on there. I feel like but, we got some like Doctor Strange esque visuals as they were going through the quantum. Yeah, the visuals realm. were like crazy. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, I've got issues with the whole quantum realm explanation too, but I do think it's an interesting concept. Just imagining if just shrinking to like an infinite size, like what that means. I, I think that's kind of interesting in and of itself, but. I don't know, this whole, like, him, like, losing his mind in the quantum realm stuff, that that kind of fell flat for me just because everything that was happening on the outside was so much more interesting. Yeah, definitely not what we're focused on. But he finds Janet, uh, and they're, like, returning, but at the same time, Ava is trying to suck out the energy from 
Janet and our heroes arrive just in time and kind of save the day. Yeah. Kind of, kind yeah. of a summary, but it's more action-y, so I don't know if we need to go beat by beat. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It I, it's kind of a hard movie to summarize because there's just, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of scenes. Um, I thought the reunion was really cool where it's like they haven't seen each other in 30 years. Yeah. But apparently they only get to see each other for a very short while. Oh, boy. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Let's end the movie on a happy note. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you wanted to say about the ending? Um, no, it, I, I really like the ending for this movie because it's just, I mean, like Scott, he gets off a of house arrest. He goes to see his daughter who I thought was excellent in the movie. Uh, oh, side note. I think it was really cool that, uh, like Scott and I think Paxton is the name of the stepfather. I'm glad that they were like cool in this movie because I'm really tired of the, you know, stepfather trope of like, oh, they can't stand each other, that sort of thing. So yeah, they kind of make a joke of it of how how cool they are. Like yeah, and the I other really dad like is that. just always like giving him these big hugs and stuff. It's just kind of funny, and it works because you know Paxton he really loves uh, Cassie, and so does Scott. So they're both just trying to be good dads, and it's cool to see Paxton. I don't know. I just just cool to see that dynamic. It's not something we often get in movies. So I was glad that they were cool. And also, uh, I guess another thing about relationships, I think the relationship between Scott and Hope, I think that kind of really worked for me because they kind of brushed past it in the first movie. But yeah, I I see them as a potential kind of like item thing in the MCU. And I don't know, they kind of work for me. They're very different from each other. And I think that's cool. Yeah, they're very different, but it's also not just, like, the stereotypical, like, complete opposites. And right. They're just very flushed-out characters of, like, oh, this could be a real person. They're unique. They're not just this one-toned character. So, yeah. No, I agree. I think, I think both of those characters were really cool. And all the family dynamics and everything in this movie were really good. And kind of, like, just under the radar of all the other things that were happening. Which is why the after credit stuff is just the worst. Oh boy. This is probably the first ever movie where I got to the end of the movie and desperately did not want a post credit scene. Yeah. Because it just wraps up so nicely. And this movie had done a great job of somehow making me forget all of the terrors and horrors of infinity war like i didn't really think about infinity war i was thinking about it going in for sure mm-hmm. but by the end of the movie i'm like that was just a good movie yeah then it Same. just it yeah. just all comes crashing back again huh. so basically scott gets trapped in the quantum realm what what where where does he go from here <laughs> i don't know i don't know there's not much hope at the end, of, there is no hope. Actually, she's disappeared. Yeah, I don't know. A couple thoughts on this. One, I kind of wish they had kept Hope instead of Scott. I think that would have been really interesting. Like, I like both of them. Mm-hmm. I just think it would have been more unexpected, I guess, to have Hope stay alive. I understand why they didn't just leave hope because scott is the only one who actually has a connection with the greater avengers however you know minor that may be uh, yeah but he had at least like told her that he had hooked up with them and she was kind of skeptical so i thought it would be kind of like cool if she's Um, like has to connect with them somehow i am bummed that she disappeared though i wish i wish if not just her i wish it would have been the two of them honestly um I just think she's a really cool character, and I want to see like more of her on the forefront. Um, so that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. It's also a bummer that the whole family just disappears after they were reunited after being estranged for 30 years. But Yeah. Do we know if Ava disappeared? Did she disappear? Oh, I have no idea. Because that was, I don't think they showed that, and that was my thought, was like, she's kind of got more of a connection with the quantum realm. She might be involved with getting Scott out. Oh. 
Yeah, because I, off the top of my head, I have no idea how he's going to get out of there. None whatsoever. Yeah, and, like, my theory going into this was kind of, like, the quantum... Like, we knew this movie was going to involve the quantum realm. And it kind of stands to reason that quantum realm's somehow going to play into helping undo all of the uh, mass destruction that Thanos caused in Infinity War. Spoilers for Infinity War. I guess. I feel like that's going to be kind of just but a they re- yeah, they really though. They really didn't give you that with this ending. It wasn't clear like, oh, this is the key to it all. Yeah, I, I still don't know. I, I don't, I can't even guess really how the quantum realm is going to factor into Infinity War because it doesn't seem like anything really I, I don't really understand how that connection would be made. Yeah, and I guess I'm just saying they kind of give you all of the despair of Infinity War without any of the hope. No pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I really like the just normal ending of this movie. I think it ends on a bright note and that's great. But I also think after this mid credit scene, I think the post credit scene is like haunting. Because yeah. it's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a scene from, like, uh, Left Behind or whatever, because there's just, like, a lack of people. There's, like, a emergency alert going on. You hear people screaming in the background. It's, like, I don't think you see an enti- a person that entire post-credit scene. You just, it feels wrong. <laughs> and there's this nightmarish giant ant just playing drums in the middle of it all. I wish that wasn't there, actually. Well, <laughs> because... It, the thing is, I feel like you can interpret it a few ways. I think they do such a great job of like setting the atmosphere for what like post-snap world is like. And you can either look at it like they are trying to make it kind of comedic with this ant still playing the drums. Or it's actually even more haunting because this ant has just been programmed to follow Scott's like routine and doesn't know any better. So it's just going to keep doing that alone in its apartment, which is also yeah. kind of strange. Can you imagine if you were just, like, a person still around after this? Like, half of everyone's disappeared, and it's like a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and you go into this guy's house to loot it, and there's just this massive ant in there, like, sitting in the bathtub? I cannot oh. tell you how oh. how how loud I would scream if oh. I were to encounter one of these ants in real life. <laughs> you would scream like Franklin. Hashtag Team Franklin. Oh, boy. We're not bringing this back. <laughs> I have gotten more feedback on Team Franklin, I think, than I have on any other discussion we've had. Really? Are more people Team Franklin? Oh, by the way, folks, we're talking about Jurassic World uh, Fallen It's Kingdom. actually, yeah, it's actually, I'd say 50-50 split on, like, people are like, dude, I just don't see it. I didn't like Franklin. And people that are like, yes, Franklin was awesome. So I think we really found something there. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> you might be right, I guess. Hmm. So before we let this one go, I wanted to see where we're, again, we say this every Avengers movie, we're going to have to redo our rankings at some point. What I want to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this to the mainly movies audience. I want to go through all the MCU movies, Aaron. Every single one of them. Do an entire podcast for each one? Yes. I think they can be mini episodes. I think they can be like 30 minutes or less. Because I don't yeah, think it'll... Yeah, or maybe, maybe we record them separately and combine like two or three together. Like into an episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we Something if they're like short enough, maybe we can like do just like phases or like half of a phase or something like that because i don't think it's going to behoove anyone for us to go through scene by scene for a movie that's been out 10 years like iron man (laughs) agreed agreed um wow well that's a big old teaser for the next like year and a half of our podcast (laughs) do we know when avengers 4 is coming out i guess it's less than a year i guess it's like 10 months so we really gotta hop on that um but i was gonna say where do you see this movie amongst the rest? Honestly, 
And I think I'm going to get some pushback from this. I think I want it like towards the top of the list, honestly. I really like this movie and it's just so effective at being such a small like slice of MCU. It doesn't have to be all world ending or something like that. And it's just it's just I don't know, it worked for me. Okay, I I agree and I feel like I was a little more negative in my review, but I I agree it's a very good movie. But going back through the most recent releases, it's like it wasn't better than Infinity War. Well, no. no way. It was not better than Black Panther. No. Was it better than Thor Ragnarok? I would say no. I don't know. I feel like I need to watch Ragnarok again. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's a debate for you. Okay. Well, I just, I feel like they're both really you funny. You think it's and... close to Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, yeah, because okay. I feel like. I don't know, like, this more, like, low-key type of comedy I think really is effective for me. And I really like Paul Rudd. And, I mean, I like Chris Hemsworth, too. I just think there was a lot more work that needed to go into Thor. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I might watch both of them again and feel like it's much more of a separation. But okay. I, I think it's more just that Ant-Man and the Wasp surprised me. Because I wasn't really expecting a ton. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, you were so sad after Infinity War that it's just nice to have just a fun, lighthearted movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. A lot of the loosey-goosey technology stuff does bring it down a bit just because there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's it's a testament to just how strong the MCU has been the past, like, year or two. Like, on one mm-hmm. hand, it's like, Great movie. I thought it was better than the original Ant-Man. Me too. But on another note, you might be able to say it's the worst MCU movie since Ant-Man. Mm. Which is just a really bleak way of looking at it. But <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to go through all these again. <laughs> I know. I've got the list pulled up, so I'm kind of cheating. <laughs> but yeah, and I I do need to rewatch a bunch of these, but... Yeah, we might just become a MCU podcast. Well, that would be pretty sustainable because I'm pretty sure they're <laughs> never going to stop making these. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of money in it. It's it did well at the box office. Like the numbers didn't blow me away, but just compared to like the first one it's doing really well compared to similarly budgeted movies it's doing really well. So yeah, it's doing pretty well. I thought th- I thought it was going to open a little higher i'm not gonna lie i thought it was gonna get more in the because it opened at 75 million i thought it was gonna do like at least 80 million but because i mean it is a lot smaller of a character um i don't it's definitely still good it's not bad or anything i just thought that coming off of infinity war i thought it was gonna give it you know a slight boost because well one interesting thing i did read on box office mojo i'm pretty sure was that ant-man and the wasp had one of the highest like Friday openings of all time, like Saturday and Sunday were just fine, but Friday was enormous. And I think that's because a lot of hardcore Infinity War fans were just like, okay, how does this tie into it? And that's yeah, pretty everyone was desperate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be even more so with Captain Marvel because mm-hmm. they're going to starve us for like a solid eight months here. Yeah. And then we're just going to want anything we can get our hands on. So big old year for Marvel. Yep, and Disney in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, that's our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. What do we got up next, DJ? Well, we have two wide releases, one smaller release. Uh, we've got Hotel Transylvania 3, which I don't think we're going to talk about. because Have you even seen the first two Hotel Transylvanias? No, and I will not be seeing this one, I don't think. Yeah, I haven't seen the previous two, um, but Grace and I still might see this one. Uh, if it's a movie like this, we'll just go to like our movie house and get a meal. Can't be yeah. bad. But more importantly, we've got one of the biggest movies of the summer coming out. Skyscraper. <laughs> DJ, I think I've completely turned on this. I think wait, I messed up. <laughs> wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't want to see this movie, DJ. <laughs> And I feel like I've 
hyped it up to the point where I have to see it, and I'm kind of just like, oh, like I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like at the very least, it could be a fun discussion. Very true, very true. It's just, I was nitpicky about Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't know what I'm going to have to say about Skyscraper, but it's not going to be good. You you never know. Skyscraper might, you know, it might surprise you. It might not. Based on on the trailer, I see no room for surprises, DJ. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's fair. I'm pretty legitimately excited for Skyscraper. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, hopefully you and the rest of America are in the same boat so that my summer movie rankings stay alive. Uh, People love The Rock. Yeah, so I guess skyscrapers are next one. I think I'm going to. I'm. I, I know Grace and I. We're going to go see it. I'm going to send you like a a non spoilery text, and I'm just gonna be like, "Hey, dude, I think you'll be actually upset with me if you see this movie if it ends up being like actual garbage." So okay, okay. And if that's the case, we won't have an episode. I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, or we can get into our Marvel stuff. Um, I mean, the next movie that I'm legitimately excited about is Mission Impossible. Okay, that's only like two weeks away. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll probably do one in between there where we catch up on stuff. But yeah, another movie in the bag. <laughs>